Hello all, and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callum. And the Strategic Whimsy Experiment is a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about the films that shape our lives. Today, we are going to be reviewing the film Amsterdam. All right, Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary for this movie? Sure. In the 1930s, three friends witness a murder, are framed for it, and uncover one of the most outrageous plots in American history. All right. And in sweet tradition, we always start off with our one-sentence summaries for this movie. Sarah, what was yours? Mine is an attempt at fictionalizing an already bonkers story. Ah, I'm trying to pick up how you feel about this movie from that <laughs> summary. And hmm, the use of the I, word attempt feels notable. I, I had other <laughs> ideas, but then it gave away how I felt about this. And Ooh. thus, I had to go with this one instead because it's just more fun that way. It is. You've built up suspense. I yeah. am apparently wearing my heart on my sleeve today. Yes, and, I love it. Uh, my one-sentence summary is, Cardboard characters frolic around production sets saying very much with very little to say. <laughs> so I'm glad it's we have so the good. full spectrum covered and that you've left a little bit up for uh, suspense and imagination. Yeah, yeah, just trying to build some mystery over here. <laughs> I'm banking on this usage of the word attempt as All my right, primary we- evidence. <laughs> we will see in like 10 seconds, in 10 seconds. if you are correct. <laughs> Okay, so let's start off with our initial thoughts about Amsterdam and solve this mystery, which is far more exciting than whatever mystery they were trying to solve in this movie. Hey-o. And uh, Sarah, what were your thoughts about this movie? Without giving anything away about the way that this movie ends, we'll have full reign in a spoiler-free territory. But um, yes, what were your thoughts about Amsterdam? Yeah, this movie is problematic on... <laughs> a number of levels. Um, I think you just mentioned one of them is that the mystery is not uh, mysterious or exciting. Um, I, there's a lot of issues, in my opinion, with the writing of this and the pacing of this. I, I think um, I, I like what the film was attempting to do, but it wasn't successful because I think it got wrapped up in itself uh, and kind of lost the point there. Um, I also think because I know the, the, the history, the, the true sliver of this movie, uh, I think that there's also some problems with that and how it's, how it's framed. Um, and I mean, honestly, for me, the, the good part of this is Christian Bale, Margot Robbie and John David Washington. They are trying to hold this thing together as best they can. And even as good as they are, this movie is still not good. Uh, and I chalk all of that up to the writing. I think if this was paced and structured differently, this could have been good. This should have been a phenomenal movie, given just how much talent is attached to this. Uh, but it's not. It's... It's a boring mystery. It's a confusing conspiracy. They try to make these like bigger points about 
history and Americans and all of this and none of them really land uh, I think because of how it was written so that's that's what I, I walked away from feeling really really frustrated is that this movie should have been excellent and it's barely mediocre yeah yeah plus one to everything that you've said it's impressive how disengaging this movie is I think I haven't felt disengaged in a movie in a in a long time. Um, it does so many of the things that we often talk about that we hate in movies. There's voiceovers littered everywhere in this movie. It is explained to us at every twist and turn. Um, there's flashbacks in time that feel purposeless. Um so much of this movie is incredibly chatty. Like there's just a lot of dialogue and so much of the dialogue is entirely uninteresting and the least bit witty at all. Uh, you know you know, it's not a great movie when I'm thinking about all of the other directors that I wish directed this movie and yeah. turned it into something interesting. Um, and we can, we can talk a little bit about that at some point. But I am intrigued at some point in our conversation today to hear your thoughts around the way that this portrayed that real life story. It sounds like you have a little bit more familiarity with that. I know very little about this, um, the real life events that this movie is based on. So I feel like that this, this movie seemed to have things to say. Um, it just it, it doesn't come across at all. Um, it's a little bit heavy handed without having a lot of meat and potatoes um, of substance that it's trying to communicate. So overall, I just, I you know, a lot of times when movies aren't great, we often are excited to dig in and figure out how to rework it and rewrite it together in some of our um, episodes and our conversations. And I just am looking at this pile of stuff on the table and I'm like, I, I can I just walk away? <laughs> but we will, we will attempt to talk about ways that this could have been better. It's just, it's a hot mess. It's a hot mess. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And I, while watching, I had a thought that I have not had in a very long time, but my thought was, this feels like it should be a Woody Allen movie. Oh, I know it was a weird thought to have, but like Christian Bale's character and like this, like the neuroses and the really, really Mm. fast talking and like everything about him and just like the quirkiness of the whole movie. I was like, I think that Woody Allen maybe could have taken this and like done it, done it justice. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think there's a little, I think that he could have done it. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's, it's not something that I say ever, but uh, yeah, that was a, a thought that I had because it, it just, it doesn't work. This movie doesn't work. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> Yes, I think Woody Allen's quirkiness with that protagonist and then the way that Wes Anderson can create these incredibly colorful characters that are just super weird and quirky. Like one of the problems that I had with this movie is that it simultaneously is playing up these caricatures of really big personalities while also giving giving them these incredibly uh, grounded human moments and we're kind of like, whiplashed back and forth between these characters mm-hmm. that feel larger than life but then the next moment they're having a heart-to-heart conversation and it doesn't feel 
congruent with each other. So um, Wes Anderson's ability to just like create these larger than life personalities, I think this movie could have used more of. And I, I think for me, I, I think the character piece of it, I think that was well thought out. I think if the story was better, then that wouldn't have felt as incongruous. Because I, I liked that these characters were so interesting and so over the top. Uh, but I, I think because the, the narrative kind of gets lost in it, uh, that, that then it fails the characters. So yeah, I, again, I just, I blame the writing completely i think that that the pacing and the structure of this is all wrong and it 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 because the characters are so strong and the story is so weak it just it doesn't work at all and so i i think if the if the plot had been simpler and more straightforward then you can spend so much time making these characters over the top and just utterly bonkers. And because they're crazy, then you put them in maybe simpler situations, then it's still outrageous and over the top. But trying to do this like crazy conspiracy theory that doesn't really have anything to do with anything with these bonkers over the top characters, it just becomes too much. And anything that you're trying to say just gets lost in all of the words and the colors and everything. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of something that you had mentioned after we watched, oh gosh, Dune, the original Dune from Mm. the 70s, where you're like, they're simultaneously, yes, simultaneously too much information and not enough Mm. information at all. And that's exactly how I feel about this movie. They are talking constantly and it just feels like there's nothing that they're saying one of the notes that I had jotted down was that by the end of this movie, I still feel like we know very little about who these three protagonists are. And that feels problematic. What are their core desires? What are they looking for? Like, what are they motivated by? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It's so it's, it's style over substance is really what it is. You know, they're all style, all gloss, all, interesting to look at but there's not as much beneath the surface mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of those character moments could have really been drawn out in that sequence where they're in Amsterdam and you can see the way that the three of them react to situations or interact with each other in ways that really highlight who they are like I think about um movies where we we have like a group that we're following and there is not one protagonist, but there's this group. And it's in the group dynamics where they are able to draw out different aspects of each other's personalities. And we just kind of don't get that in this. They are just this like congealed entity, this like ragtag group of friends, but they don't each have their own sense of identities either. There's I don't think the script allows them for for them to have a lot of chemistry together either which feels surprising. And I feel like this movie really needs that group chemistry to anchor in as well, which is missing. So just all around the board, I think misses. Yeah. And I, it's one of those that I'm almost impressed that it's so bad. Yes. Like, 
<laughs> I feel like you uh-huh. have to go out of your way to make this movie as unenjoyable as it is. Ah, gosh, what a shame. Yeah. I'm, this, this is one of those that I'm, I'm upset about. Like, you could have done next to nothing, and this should have worked. <laughs> and it did not. Which I was thinking a lot about while watching this movie. This has such a star-studded cast. And yeah. And and not like B-list actors. Like these are some of the best actors of our time in Hollywood right now who have clearly seen something in this movie and are and they're they're at a point in their career where they can make more choosy choices about what type of roles to take so like at some point the script must have been great (laughs) and I don't know if it just got kind of like caught up in its own um in itself and and, like taken itself too seriously and like a couple edits later just got like really self-serious and like stuck up its own ass a little bit but at some point like I'm sure the way that this was pitched and like you mentioned there is the premise should be exciting. Like this should be a great movie. It's a exciting plot with big personalities, a um, lot of interesting like period set pieces that are that are showy and should feel like immersive in a lot of ways in this like world of the 1930s. And man, with this many stars, you'd think that this would be great or at least mediocre. Yeah, and – I, again, like the premise is is good and and you know a lot of times the way to get us thinking about like this larger conspiracy is not to talk about the conspiracy itself, but you get this little piece that's an entry point and then they uncover something bigger and it's like, whoa my gosh, okay, now where do we go from here? So like it's this it's a perfect setup. You know, this like ragtag group of friends that are these oddballs and then this thing happens and they have to investigate this this mystery and then it just unfurls to something bigger than they could have ever expected. That's great. That's a great premise. But I think because the the their tie to the mystery was so thin and then the mystery itself was not interesting and then the the mysteries tied to the conspiracy was even thinner and then they're just throwing in all of these other concepts from american history so like nazism and forced sterilization and all of these things and it's just like oh my gosh we have lost the point entirely so i i think if if they had stripped away some of the excesses and really thought about, you know, like, what are we trying to say? What story are we trying to communicate? Because I can't even fully tell you <laughs> that, you know? Like, Me neither. The, the true portion of this is about a general named Smedley Butler, and he has a very weird, complex story of his own, but this movie doesn't even seem to be fully about that because they they kind of misrepresent him in some ways like it's it's weird what they did so then it's like okay you're taking this true thing that happened and then you're making like a mystery to get us into that it's ah I just I still don't understand the point of this movie I I think once again they're just trying to do too many things and so then it just doesn't work 
because it's it's you don't have a focus. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a yeah. way to tell this story with a focus. And you can have all of these really interesting peripheral issues. You can have all of this extra color and vibrancy in there, but you have to remain focused on whatever the point is. And we just, we, we didn't have one of those. Which is just impressive to me. <laughs> right? <laughs> How lost yeah. this movie feels. I felt yeah. so lost. Every scene, I was like, I was having an existential crisis here. I'm like, is it, is it me? Did I, did I miss something? Or am I just not <laughs> comprehending this movie that's apparently supposed to make sense to me? Like, did I not get enough sleep last night? <laughs> and some brain wires are just crossed in my brain because I did not know what we were doing in any scene. What information are we trying to gather here? I don't know. Who are these people? I don't know. I guess we just met them. They seem somewhat relevant. We got like a little bit of context, but like why are they important? Who knows? Who knows? They're just big personalities, which in a lot of Wes Anderson movies, like I don't know what we're doing in a scene half the time, but it's fine because the scene itself is so uh, immersive and the personalities are big and exciting. And then at some point you kind of pick up on, what we're here for that you are like then whisked off to this other strange world um, with other strange personalities. So it kind of works in that context. Like we were wandering through this, you know, Alice in Wonderland, uh, you know, fell down the rabbit hole world of his brain. With this one, like I was lost and it just, I don't, I don't even, I, there are no words. I was just so confused. You know what? I would have have liked to have seen is instead of David O. Russell writing and directing this movie, what if it had been Ryan Johnson? Yeah. 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 Because he, I, he's a, he's a great filmmaker, great writer, but he understands mysteries Yeah, and like thinking about knives out, you know, larger than life personalities, this, interesting mystery and there's all these red herrings and you you go through so many different little detours and stories but then the mystery is always at the fore and I I think like he could have handled this so I guess you need to be able to write a mystery you need to understand how mysteries are constructed in order to do this and this movie just isn't constructed properly to to keep us engaged enough in the mystery to then get into the conspiracy and I think as far as like mysteries go right now all I can think of is like two ways either you're so invested in the characters and the characters are so interesting that you then get through the mystery or the mystery is so convoluted and twisty turny that the characters can be as bland as a piece of white bread and you're still engaged because the mystery is twisty turny you can have both but it needs to be at least one or the other and this movie has colorful characters like we've said but we're not connected to them deeply so even though they're being framed for murder they also there's no stakes really Because even though they're being blamed for murder, 
they're friends with the cops. And so like anytime the cops come, they're just like, oh, we're friends. We're buddies. So you can't arrest me. And the cops like bet. All right. I'll see you in two days. So there's no real stakes either to get us worried about the characters, to motivate them to solve the mystery. And then we're thrown into this conspiracy that isn't very clearly tied to the mystery. So then it's not clearly tied to the characters. Ugh, what a mess. We are floating in space. We are. There is no anchor. Yeah. And we needed to anchor to either the characters or to the mystery. I think Ryan Johnson could have done the mystery, playing up the mystery of this really well. The other person I was thinking about is just throw some really great Sorkin level, like witty dialogue at this. And I could have been happy too. Like they're, they're just big personalities talking in a room. That's fine. If the dialogue's like clever and smart and the conversation itself feels like a roller coaster ride, that could be entertaining too. You know, like here are these like interesting cast of characters that we just get to like chat with that have really intelligent conversations. I could be entertained for two hours and 15 minutes. The other person that I was thinking about is Taika. There's a lot of like satire in this. And again, I think with with playing up these like colorful, big characters, he could have just gone bigger and more ridiculous and outrageous with some of the, especially the side characters that we meet along the way, the two spies, um, Anya Taylor-Joy and Rami Malek's characters. Like I think those scenes could have just been pure entertainment and fun like we have no idea why we're there but like it's a good time so that works too you know like that could have also worked Mm -hmm. yeah yeah man there's there was a lot of good options for this yeah not us trying to throw like every other director in this movie that we love yeah (laughs) to just like come and save it well yeah no like I'm thinking about all of the options that we've brought to the table are all so different too. Yeah. They would have been totally different movies. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm kind of like, now I want to see all of them. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> what is, what is the Aaron Sorkin version of this? Like but rooted I also in history see, and like, yeah, yes, this period yeah. piece. <laughs> yeah. I want to see the written by Aaron Sorkin, directed by David Fincher. I want that combo mm. though, because Moody Aaron combo. is a little too positive, And so he needs David Fincher to bring him back down. Um, but I'd love that. I'd love the Ryan Johnson version. I would even be happy with the Taika version. Mm-hmm. And I have some feelings about Taika. You do. You do. Wow. But those, those would be so different. Oh man. Now I'm just imagining all these in my mind. This is great. Ah, a tasting flight of <laughs> flavors of Amsterdam that could have been, but weren't. <laughs> but weren't. Man, okay, so we'll, we'll just have full reign if you haven't seen Amsterdam yet. And I think it's available out in theaters. So we recommend checking it out um, before you continue to listen to this episode. But do we recommend checking it out? I mean... Maybe wait till it's on streaming, like <laughs> save a few bucks. I don't know. Yeah. Do what you want. Yeah. If you have if you have more exciting things to do with two hours and fourteen minutes of your life, by yeah. all means. Or I mean, honestly, like if you want to go see a movie, go watch The Woman King instead. Yes. I didn't even love that movie, but go watch that. That's a way better That's movie than Amsterdam. Yes. Like, and let's support all the creators of that movie rather than 
Amsterdam. But if you also want to be along the far more exciting mystery of why Amsterdam was so disengaging, then true. maybe you do need to watch this so that you can that engage with it. Is true. So then you have the full context as yes. to why we are upset. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I really want to know how this movie ended up this way. <laughs> yeah, me too. Because it, it, I, I, okay, so like I've never been part of making a movie. So I'm just making wild assumptions over here. Mm-hmm. But I mean, things are, are, are edited. Things are looked at by multiple people. Like scripts go through review processes. They like different people touch these things and have eyes on them and have input on them. And how did nobody go, Hey, we kind of lost the point here. Mm -hmm. I don't don't understand. You know, what's interesting about Amsterdam. It's unique in its own little category, actually. than a lot of the other movies that we've uh, roasted or didn't appreciate or felt like that there was more potential for. Yeah. Because like I'm thinking about movies that we've talked about recently that we we also had a negative reaction to. Blonde, for example, which is incredibly problematic. You should go listen to our conversation about that. But but Blonde is and and I think a lot of movies fall into the category that Blonde does, which is there was a vision. We I just disagree with the way that it was executed and and the lack of consideration of other aspects for why that movie didn't work, right? Other films, like I'm thinking about Cherry. I don't know why this one is like very prominent in my mind. It's the Tom oh. Holland mm-hmm. war trauma yeah, yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. That was a mess. That one's problematic too and does a lot of the same things that I hate that Amsterdam does. Voiceovers everywhere, like very much yeah. like serving it to you, like spoon feeding it into your mouth and down your throat. But – Cherry also had a vision, how well it was executed, up for debate. Um, Amsterdam feels like a lot of nothingness to me. Like it is it is not leaning into any specific aspect. It just feels empty. And I'm trying to think of another movie that falls into the same bucket. It's a very special bucket that it's in. Um, I don't know if you can – if any come to your mind, but I – I feel so lost to the point where I don't know what this was intending to do. Whereas the other films, I can see what they were trying to do. It just doesn't work, right? Or it was too much of one thing or it needed to tone down another thing or it tried to do too many things at the same time. Amsterdam, I I honestly feel like it doesn't know what it is. It doesn't know itself. Yeah. Yeah. It it really does. I I think we – I, I think we've figured out a lot of its problems already. You know, like it just there what what are we trying to say? What are we trying to communicate? And you and I both watched this movie and we're not sure. And so I I think when you when you lose your message, when you lose the point, then uh you you get this. And and I think I, I think creatively, like uh, like the style and tone of the film, I think that they knew what they wanted it to to feel like and sound like and look like, but they just 
didn't know their message. They didn't know what they were trying to say with all of this snark and, you know, sarcasm and, and attempts at being witty. Uh, and so then it just kind of all fell flat because all of the, the style and the gloss in the world is not going to save you if you really aren't saying anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating too, because there are voiceover moments where it feels like they're trying to tell us what they're trying to say. Um, you know, in the, in the ending sequence, there's that whole monologue in the form of, in the form of a voiceover of like this concept of human decency and learning to be carefree and to extend kindness towards each other. And, you know, this, this like reverence toward this period of time in their lives in Amsterdam where they were able to just be together. Like there's, there was this like weird, like preachy moment that happened at the end too, where I was like, is this what you were trying to say the whole time? Uh, because it feels like the the kind of like the summary thesis of this movie when they were ending the movie. I don't know if you felt that way in the ending or what your thoughts were on that whole voiceover sequence. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I was just I was just left confused, honestly, because I so this goes back to a conversation that we've had over the past few episodes about like, how do you tell true stories, but mm. fictionalize them? And Amsterdam takes a different approach because there is, there is a hint of truth, but the most of the movie is a fictionalized account. And so I, so by the end of the movie, I was just thinking to myself, why would you tell this story in this way? Because like the real story of Smedley Butler honestly would make an interesting biopic because he did a lot and was involved in a lot. And his arc as a human being is totally like worthy of a screenplay. Like his story is kind of nuts. So it was just weird. So by the end of the movie, I was like, why? Why is this your choice? You're you're constructing all of these other characters to build this narrative around a fictionalized depiction of this real-life guy and this real-life plot that people hatched. Why is this? So I was just, I don't even know what the ending voiceover was because I was just asking the question, why, over and over and over again, and I cannot make sense of why they chose this particular route, which leads me back to everything that we've been saying of what is the point of this movie? <laughs> All roads are pointing back to that as yes. our primary question. That's the mystery question. that has yet to be solved. Yes. Okay. So we got to get out, you know, one of those cork boards. I'm going to get a bunch of red string. <laughs> and we're just going to try and solve this mystery because, <gasps> Jesus, I, I'm at a loss. Yeah. Yeah. And perhaps we should just be not telling fictionalized stories of real events for a while. 
Yeah, I think so. Let's just I make think... original content. Yes, please, please. And I, I feel like Amsterdam, I don't know. I, I kind of appreciate the, the weird attempt that they made. Because um, I, I would say 90% of this movie is fiction, uh, maybe more. And, and so I just think that that's a really interesting way to try and point people to a real event uh, without having to create a biopic. Uh, I, I don't, it didn't work, but I, I appreciate that somebody's trying to do something creative here, but I do think that we just need to have, you know, we just need a little break and we just need to say, let's not do any biopics for a little while and let's just completely original content. Ah, uh, so you're saying that this this movie actually does d- like has a has a lot more creative freedom in mm. Mm. how much it is based on true events compared to something yes. like Blonde or Elvis. Well, Elvis yes. definitely not, but Blonde at least. Yeah, because uh, so like the, yeah. the business plot was real, and a general named Smedley Butler he was, you know roped into you know giving these speeches and there was this uh desire because america got off the the gold standard i think so it was all based on money and these very influential people wanted to uh basically like over they wanted to march on washington overthrow the government and smedley butler was at the middle of it he testified before congress nothing no consequences ever happened to the people behind the plot. And Smedley was kind of uh, decried in, in the press. And so the, the part with the general, there are elements of truth to that. Even what the movie did, conflating it with like Nazism and things like that. Mm. Like those were kind of two separate things that were happening kind of simultaneously. Um, but like this business plot was more motivated by money than race, as far as I understand it. Um, and so I, there, there's a sliver of truth to Amsterdam, but most of it is not true. And so again, like, I, I appreciate the creativity of like, Hey, you know what? This dude was really interesting. So let's create a movie around him. Uh, without it actually being about him, I is just an odd way to do it. Uh, I think if it would have worked, could be a really innovative way to get people kind of thinking about history in a different light. But it didn't work, so let's just not do stuff like this for a little while. Well, that's interesting too because the way that the movie is framed and bookended is suggesting that it's a lot more grounded in the real story than it sounds like it actually is. Like, I mean, the right before the movie starts, there's this big bold text on screen that says a lot of this happened, period, and then it kind of launches in the movie. But in the ending credits, there's a like side-by-side shot, black and white shot of De Niro as Dylan Beck saying his speech and what I'm assuming is live footage of um, mm-hmm. Smedley. Yep. Smedley. Right? Yep. Which, for a biopic, worked great. Like, yes, 
let's position this character's journey that we've we've followed for the last two hours or two hours and a half today's day and age um as grounded in a lot of truth about this real life figure and here are the photos and whatnot of the real life figures but this i mean i don't know how intentional that was but i feel like for a lot of folks that maybe are not reading much into the the background story of this that that final side-by-side black and white shot feels like a pretty heavy suggestion that might not actually be true yeah and so again like this is why i have all of the questions because like the business plot itself is really fascinating and like smedley butler's life is also very fascinating so if you want to tell this story about the business plot and and Medley Butler's journey because he he did a lot he fought in a lot of American wars during America's like imperialistic time and then by the end of his life he was firmly against war and so it was just very fascinating to watch his like to learn about his life and this transformation that he went through and so I'm like that could totally be a movie so if you're trying to make a movie about Smedley and the business plot make a movie about Smedley and the business plot. If you're trying to make a movie about three friends in the 1930s who get wrapped up in a crazy Nazi conspiracy theory, then write that. But why are we trying to like make the two one? You know, they're 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 separate. So, I don't know. I this is I'm just left with more questions. Maybe this was originally a biopic and then someone was like, you need to make this marketable. And so someone was like, you know, yeah. let's just throw in some like, you know, interesting characters in there that I don't really care that much about. That would make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. And my guess is that that's what happened. Like somebody learned about the business plot and was like, oh my gosh, this would be a great movie. And then they just made up literally everything else. With no seeming desire or care to create dynamic characters, <laughs> it just feels like they don't care. <laughs> like they, there just was there yeah. was a lack of detail and care and like really shaping who these people were. They're just vehicles. Yeah, yeah. I think I I think a lot went into creating those characters. But I don't think that they focused on the right parts. Mm. You know, I, I think it's all of the external and none of the the internal. Um, yeah. Because, you know, you, you learn their bond together. You learn that, you know, the little romance. Uh, but And then you know that uh, Christian Bale's character, you know, wants to be with his wife and all. So there's this like love component to it, but none of it really works because there's really nothing else to these characters outside of that. Mm-hmm. And perhaps to your point earlier, the, the fact that there's no threat to those things or no seeming tension and stakes with that aspect of them just makes it feel less substantial or less um, 
less real to us as as the audience. So so I guess to, to bring it back full circle, it goes back to is this a mystery or is this about these these characters? Like what what is our anchor point? And because if this is about the mystery, it doesn't matter that there's no tension or no threat to these core desires of these three people. If this is about their bond and their friendship, then that does matter. Maybe there's a way in the hands of a better director that can balance and execute on both of those things, which I think is what we see in a lot of great films is that the plot is dynamic and the characters are dynamic and they feed each other and, and, and are able to draw out and emphasize and highlight those aspects of, you know, the plot dynamics and the character dynamics, um, that there's this like positive feedback loop between the two of them. And this one, um, perhaps didn't, didn't have clarity of what either of those two were. We just keep going back to this movie. Doesn't know what it is. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, Uh. yeah, that is the fundamental problem of this film. It doesn't know what it is. It doesn't know the point that it's trying to make. And so then it just ends up being like a hodgepodge of different things that really don't amount to anything, Um, which is really unfortunate because I, I don't know, like I see there being a lot of interesting things that could have been done with this, but unfortunately uh, that is not the movie that we ended up with. Nope. Nope. Um, I appreciate that you can see the potential in this movie <laughs> far more than I can. This is good. Yeah. And I, I think it also comes down to like this tight, like the tone of the movie, I kind of enjoyed, you know, this like the, the witty banter was not there, oh, but no. I, I could see what they were trying to do. And I like that, that sarcastic fast paced, you know, like if it's, if the voiceover is good, it can be really effective in Mm -hmm. like shaping the narrative and making it a really dynamic story. But so like, I can, I can see what they're trying to do. Uh, They unfortunately did not achieve their goal. Uh, But I, I can see a vision for this being in this tone, this like witty, fast paced style, you know, ragtag group with big personalities getting wrapped up in a mystery. Like, yeah, that's so fun. I can see it, but it's not Amsterdam. There isn't even moments of that where you were like, oh, if we could Mm -hmm. capture that and multiply it, then great. You know, like there's often in a lot of movies that we, we pick apart, there's moments of like, there was a glimpse of hope and light. And I I really can't point to a sequence in this movie where it's like that conversation or that scene begins to capture it. I think the closest that we can come to that is probably that whole sequence with uh, Anya, Tanner jo- Anya Taylor-Joy and Rami Malek, probably because they're two just like great actors that, that are mm-hmm. good at doing like big showy – personalities um in in their past roles but that's where I began to feel like there is a like a potential taste of that but it's the closest I can get to yeah yeah this 
this movie needed a lot of work. And I, the other thing that I just keep coming back to is like, I don't know that David O. Russell understands mysteries. You know, like I, I love mysteries. I love them so much. I will watch them all day, every day, because they're puzzles that I want to figure out. And I, I, there's a very, there are ways to construct mysteries. And I, I don't think that he, he understands the formula uh, well enough to execute on something as complicated as this. Because it really is a complicated plot with a lot of moving pieces. And uh, man, I, I think if the mystery isn't solid enough, then, then the whole thing kind of falls apart. And that's what we see. I'm going to be honest. There were many scenes where I literally forgot we were trying to solve a mystery until someone brought it up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. And that's the problem. <laughs> right. Yeah. We had an objective. Why are we here again? I guess to collect some kind of information. But I just I totally forgot that they were on this journey to solve something. Forgot that was mm-hmm. a desire that they had. Yeah. And I I think the the movie forgets all of these things. You know, I, I think it gets lost in its own little detours, you know, because we, we flash back to uh, France, Amsterdam, whatever, Europe, and um, we, we kind of get lost there. You know, we, we, learn, <laughs> we learn the dynamic of these characters, but it doesn't bring us back to the mystery, you know? So again, it goes back to, is it going to be character driven or is it going to be the mystery driven? It can be both, but this movie does neither. (laughs) And so then you just go on these detours and it's like, oh, well that was colorful, but that doesn't actually push the plot forward. That doesn't help us connect to these characters anymore. Like I felt like I understood the characters, like I got the gist of them, but I didn't know what drove them, what motivated them. So like it, it just, it was, it was pointless. All of, so just like random detours that might've looked pretty, but didn't amount to anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If anything, I think this movie makes me appreciate how much, great screenwriting is incredibly structured and logical and um, intentional in every moment and scene, bringing us either tension, resolution, or progress in like some direction or another. And then how many subplots can intertwine uh, in incredibly logical ways. It's like the series of uh, setups and payoffs and and all of those setups and payoffs are along this larger curve. Like this is such a good example of how unstructured screenwriting can feel so jarring. Um, and I guess it just makes me appreciate great screenwriting a lot more after seeing a movie like this, which is part of the joy, I suppose, of getting to watch more movies is that you get to see a full spectrum. So in a way, I appreciate Amsterdam for showing us the other side of the spectrum. <laughs> That's a really good uh, moment of positivity. <laughs> I'm very proud of you. You said something nice about this film. Look at that. It was, it was really good. Well done. <laughs> uh, okay. Other, other things that we want to talk about with Amsterdam? Anything other noteworthy? 
Well, I mean, I feel it. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I just, I just have a bunch of little things. Okay. Is is really what it is. Okay. So I don't know. I have like four or five little things. Okay. I don't know. We'll see as I scroll through my notes. Okay. So number one, just a fun audience observation, which are my <gasps> yes. most favorite. So uh, the end of the movie when Christian Bale and uh, Zoe Saldana are sitting on the bed and they're having a seemingly romantic moment. I don't know. And there's just this lingering shot of them. I'm holding my hand to my mouth to stop myself from laughing aloud. And thankfully, people in the row behind me (laughs) bust up laughing. So I was free to join them in my laughter at the (laughs) utter ridiculousness of that freaking shot. It was so bad. I love the movie going experience. Such a moment of connection with a random stranger or set of strangers. I was like this. I love that. Yes. I don't know who you are, but we watch movies similarly. And I'm glad that you received (laughs) this just the same as me. Oh, I love it. A feeling of camaraderie. Absolutely. From the movie Amsterdam. Another wonderful thing that came from this movie. (laughs) True. Okay, um, I spotted a continuity error. Oh, where is it? So when they are in Harold's office and uh, Christian Bale's character comes in and is like, hey, you need to like give documents to the police or whatever. And Harold uh, is, is handing them to Milton, I think is his name. And he, he hands him one paper and then he hands him a second one. And then in the next shot he's holding the papers again and so it's just the the papers were in the wrong spots nice i'm proud of you thank you i was very proud of me too (laughs) got another one i mean in such a like captivating film (laughs) you even notice the continuity errors (laughs) have to Quite, to. quite an accomplishment. I'm, just, I'm, I'm always looking out, man. Anytime I can spot a continuity error, it's like a feather in my cap. I'm so <laughs> pleased. You're just collecting them as you go. You're collecting Pokemons along yeah. the way. I am, and I got to catch them all. <laughs> okay, so while we're talking about weird things that I noticed, did you notice any pinky rings in this movie? You know what's so funny is – well, no, I did not. Um <laughs> I was too busy being upset at this movie. Uh, That's fair, as you should be. But I was thinking about before we started recording, I was like, I wonder if there were pinky rings. I don't know why that thought crossed my mind. I figured there's just some villainous characters that would be prime data points if they were to have pinky rings. You are 1000% right. Mm. There are three pinky rings that I spotted in this. Three? Yep. Is that uh, the... The last movie that had many pinky rings was Bullet Train. Was Bullet Train. How many and did I that think, have? Four? I think there were four that I spotted okay. in that. This is a close second. Yes. Well, yes, I'm assuming uh, Tom. Who is Tom? Was that Rami Malek? Not Rami, Rami Malek. No, he didn't, which I was very surprised by. I was like, yeah. you, sir, need a pinky ring on your finger. Was it? I don't know, the Council of the Five, those three, four dudes. Yep. I I could only see one of their hands on each of them, and none of them had pinky rings on the one hand of theirs that I could see. Again, I was very disappointed in that. 
Uh, was it Anya Taylor Joy? I mean, who else? Ooh. Who? who uh, okay. By so, a reaction, that's a no. So I didn't. I didn't think she was wearing one, but I also did not pay as much attention to her hands. I need to do better about looking at women's hands because normally I'm just focused on the dudes. But it's but okay. I, They're not really in scope for our data set. So yeah. I but I I need to make I need to remember to yes. do that. Okay. I, I've been dropping the ball in that regard. So the three pinky rings that I spotted was number one, the flat-footed cop who didn't serve. <sighs> in the war who is racist (laughs) okay so that's a good one that's a very good good data point number two uh timothy oliphant's character uh who was the dude that like pushed Mm -hmm. chick into the (gasps) car oh also very good data point yes 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 and so then the third was robert de niro's character the general oh so, Interesting. Yes. The way that I... Well, was he wearing it at the end? Yes. He was wearing it during the speech. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the way that I make that one make sense... Okay. <laughs> I would love to hear your explanation for this. Is because I'm pulling from history. <laughs> oh, the real Smedley, life Smedley? Yeah, Smedley Butler was not a good dude for a lot of his life. <laughs> And so, like, he killed a lot of people. Uh, oh. Okay, uh, by not good, you mean murder or not good? Okay, this, well, this is so, good. Like, he was involved in, like, America's, like, imperialism. So, like, tours in, like, the Philippines. And he was, I think, in, like, Nicaragua and, like, in places where American military did some really bad stuff. Yes. So, uh, while Smedley did end up being a good guy in the end. He was not a good guy for for a portion of his his life. So that is how I've made that one make sense is by drawing from some information not in the movie. So really, (laughs) the pinky rings are able to reveal the depths of who you are. Not just who you are in the present, (laughs) who you also will become. And and that is a deep level of understanding of who the beholder, the, who the wearer of the Don't underestimate the so. pinky rings, man. All right. Well, this was our review and discussion of Amsterdam. You can find it available out in theaters. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. This podcast is fueled by our passion for stories and connection and is something we continue to do each week solely because we love it. This is our strategic whimsy experiment, and we encourage you to find a way to infuse whimsy into your day. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a review letting us know your thoughts about Amsterdam. You connect with us on Instagram at Strategic Whimsy Experiment, on Twitter at Strategic Whimsy, or you can email us at strategicwhimsyexperiment at gmail.com. We will be back next week with another film review episode. We hope you all have an amazing week and we'll see you very soon.